Welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life podcast. What is it like when a crisis hits? How do we respond? Uh, I think everyone uh, is going through this experience right now, and even though the, the major crisis that we're all dealing with, the virus, didn't just hit, I think in some ways many people are still kind of stuck in that very first shocky place of what do we do? Today on our podcast, we're going to talk about how to navigate through that first hit of a crisis and what's important to do and what's important to keep in mind. So with that in mind, I'll say hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today we continue in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, or Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with almost, got what? Next month. Next month. Almost 50 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. Sounds good, Jenny. Hey. And we're supposed to be entertaining during a very heavy <laughs> subject. But, you know, I, uh, I'm glad that Jenny's starting it today because we, we were just talking about how both of us over-prepare and make this thing really stiff. But, you know, I was telling her, once I start preparing, I get so into this and I, it, it affirms me. I get a lot out of it, too. Whether I've written this stuff or not, I get a lot out of it. So once I get going, I do... I do, uh, I can't get my face out of it for a while. I know, and, and I know you also get excited about wanting to make sure that the people uh, tuning into the podcast get the help that they need. I want them to get the encouragement and uh, perspective that we have, um, which has to do with realizing there's purpose to adversity. And um, when I say that, and even when I listen to your intro, which, I, which I'm familiar with, um, that's not to say that we don't know about the emotion and the pain and the turmoil and the chaos and the agony that people go through. We go through too. Um, so when we, when we talk about this, I don't want to, and I know I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, I don't want to act like I'm sitting on a throne 50 years or not. It doesn't matter. When, we are hit, when we're hit with this stuff, it affects all of us and our emotions get triggered off and, um, you know, stuff comes up. And it's not pleasant. The difference is usually we know how to deal with the emotional content and what gets, gets triggered because that is something we have a lot of expertise about. We understand the body and how it's a reservoir for so much of this emotional content. We know how to discharge it. We know how to decompress and we know how to get that part of it thrown back into perspective. So when we do go back to the crisis, we do go back to the adversity, we're much more positive. We're clearer for a while. Um, and that's the, one of the messages I do want to convey to all of you. Um, and I've talked to a number of people this weekend that were really struggling, and it's amazing how many people are, not just from the COVID-19 crisis, for other things, too. Other things, too. And I think people feel more comfortable sharing with me uh, their deeper struggles. And, boy, some of them I talked to this week are rough. But I, I understand that, right? I'm going through rough times myself and helping others, too. So I do, I do understand and I don't want to come across as anyone who knows so much that I actually would appear arrogant or condescending. That's the last thing I want to do. 
Um, and it's not honest anyway. If I did that, that would be a pretty dishonest approach. I am human too. No matter what my degrees are, no matter what my experience is, I'm just as human as you are. And if I can convey from my experience and the things that I've learned and been trained in to you, it may make your journey a lot better. In fact, I know that part of it is true. Um, but I don't want to dismiss how difficult things can be and are right now for so many people. Um, you know, I look at adversity. We wrote a paper <laughs> years ago. And I was, I was, when I read it, I said, this is prophetic. Mm -hmm. And it was called Adversity Meeting It Head On. And we've written this paper a number of years ago. And I was, then I read, about, read it, and I'm thinking, my God, this was prophetic about what's happening now. It is. And one of the things we've been very convicted of is that there is purpose to adversity and struggle. Um, and that people do come through it, and there is hope, even though you have a lot to go through. Um, Steve, our producer, and I uh, have friends in the Navy SEALs. And one of my good friends, um, Admiral Ray Smith, I hope it's all right if I mention Ray's name, um, invited us to Bud's graduation, right? See, it was a graduation, yeah. yeah. Yep. And uh, the, the speaker um, that day, was, it was inspiring, I gotta say. Um, but he said one thing that really stuck out to me. And he was talking about the SEAL experience. This was Admiral Green. Is that, is that who, that's right. Yeah, I didn't get to go with you guys, and I wish you know? I had, but uh, you came home and told me about Admiral Green and wow. his son. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Well, anyway. I uh, wonder where it, he is now. Was it Admiral? Okay. We know a number of people in command, i got to say. Um, I can't remember them all anymore. It's been a long time. But the, the speaker that day spoke about adversity. It's part of the SEAL experience. And, and he said, adversity, he said, introduces a man to himself. Now, remember, the seals are all male, so, but this is really um, not just male. No. This is any human being. Anyway. Adversity shows you who you really are and where you are, honestly, the good and the bad, and that's your chance to really take a, a real, get a real grip on yourself if you're honest. Navy seals, you got to be honest or you're, you're not going to make it. They're, right. they're, put through, they're put through such adversity, but of course they're going to be sent into terrible conditions. They're going to be called on to do yeah, things. Yeah, and they do. We've, yeah. I've never, I know some of them very well, and uh, i got to be honest. The, the people we know are mm -hmm. really fine people. Now, I know there's others in there that aren't. They wouldn't be my friends, honestly. But the people we do know are very fine. Mm -hmm. um, tough characters, but boy, they're fine, decent people. And they do understand adversity. Yeah, um, yeah they sure do. They do. So, anyway, in this paper it says, real life is full of adversity. Hardship and change are not just passing states, but a condition of life. And we can try to avoid these challenges to run the other way, or we can choose to meet adversity head on. And I love that. Now, this paper has been written a number of years ago. Mm -hmm. Now, I think about what we're dealing with what now. We're dealing with now. This stuff really hits home. Um, and, you know, we've been kind of involved with it, difficulties for a long time. That's a kind of a calling of our life is to help people through trauma. And we specialize in trauma recovery. And you know, adversity has put us, at, because we've embraced it in, in helping others, it's, um, it's put us in what we call, and we've mentioned it many times, an extraordinary reality, not the norm. And most, I don't think it's a calling for most people. I really don't, although I think there's great value in it. I know there is. Um, but I'll tell you the truth, it's, it's a tough one. First responders do it. 
Yeah. Um, cops are the firefighters, doctors, nurses, the good ones. Um, and I have friends that are excellent at that, and doing beautiful work. But you know, that's not for everybody because it puts no. us so, through such changes that we either grow or burn out. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. And burnout is a road to agony before it happens. So we've learned how to cope, and yet when we hit the verse struggles now or our own personal lives, it's still extremely painful. Yeah. And the difference is we know we've got to, we've got to deal with our emotions our, and how our body's holding. We've got to learn how to, we do know how in our work, how to decompress them. And that keeps us quite resilient. Like I said, I've been doing this work, I haven't been in my own private practice 50 years, but probably 46 years, 45 years. And here I still am. Now, I don't think most people have that kind of life, uh, professional life in this kind of work. It's very confrontive and challenging, very painful and difficult, and yet here I am. And I'm not about to quit, that's for sure. But, you know, I was reading something, and I do like to get inspirational readings. And, and one of them caught me this morning. I was reading it to my wife. My wife's very ill. But every morning I make sure I read with her and get her ready for the day. And... Um, love on her a little bit and just let her know how much she means to me and I pray with her but this devotional really caught my eye this morning and I'm familiar with it and yet it seems to be so fitting and I'd like to read it if that's okay and um, see if it doesn't match up with what's happening these days uh, it talks about and this is from the Psalms in the Bible it's called that has enlarged me when I was in distress this verse is one of the greatest testimonials ever written regarding the effectiveness of God's work on our behalf during times of crisis. It's a statement of thanksgiving for having been set free, not from suffering, but rather through suffering. In stating that has thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress, the psalmist is declaring that the sorrows of life have themselves been the source of life's enlargement. <clears throat> and then he talks about Joseph. In the Bible, it says, Haven't each of us experienced this a thousand times and found it to be true? Someone once said of Joseph that when he was in the dungeon, iron entered into his soul. And the strength of iron is exactly what he needed, for earlier he had only experienced the glitter of gold. He had been rejoicing in youthful dreams, and dreaming actually hardens the heart. Someone who sheds great tears over a simple romance will not be of much help in a real crisis for true sorrow will be too deep for him. We all need the iron in life to enlarge our character. The gold is simply a passing vision, whereas the iron is the true experience of life. The chain that is the common bond uniting us to others must be one of iron. The common touch of humanity that gives the world true kinship is not joy, but sorrow. Gold is partial to only a few, but iron is universal. If you want your sympathy for others to be enlarged, you must be willing to have your life narrowed to certain degrees of suffering. Joseph's dungeon was the very road to his throne, and he would have been unable to lift the iron load of his brothers had he not experienced the iron in his own life. Your life will be enlarged in proportion to the amount of iron you've endured, for it is in the shadows of your life that you'll find the actual fulfillment of your dreams of glory. So don't complain about the shadows of darkness. In reality, they are better than your dreams could ever be. Don't say that the darkness of the prison has shackled you, for your shackles are wings, wings of flight into the heart and soul of humanity. 
and the gate of your prison is the gate into the heart of the universe. You have been enlarged through the suffering of sorrow's chain. He says, if Joseph had never been Egypt's prisoner, he would have never been Egypt's governor. The iron chain that bound his feet brought about the golden chain around his neck. Right, you know, when I read that, and considering everything that's going on and, and what, how we see things, this just really hit home. Um, we see a tremendous amount of purpose in difficulties. Not that we like them. It's just that we know they're going to produce something really good with certain attitudes. Um, in fact, I was in a going through. A, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask you to wait just for a moment. Yeah. Because I want to hear what you have to say, and there are points that were made in there that are really important, but first we need to take a break. Absolutely. All right. You. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Today, Peter and I are talking about the experience of going into crisis or adversity. And uh, the points that we made earlier in the podcast were uh, a quote that Peter had from a SEALs graduation, that adversity introduces a person to themselves. And then uh, another thing that he went over just before our break was he had a reading that talked about, and I want to ask you about this, about how adversity or difficult times enlarge us. And I want to make sure that people understand what you mean uh, when you talk about what does that mean to be enlarged? Well, I think, and also you were going to make a point before we Well, no, I think that's a wonderful off. question. I'm glad you asked it. Well, when they talk about enlarged, they're really talking about deepening us. And... Um, and the thing that I read this today, which was uh, really, he talks about most of and most of us do this. He talked about Joseph in the Bible, and that he was a young man of dreams and had been spoiled and indulged and whatever. Um, but that wasn't the enlargement. In fact, when people live in that state, they don't deepen and they don't aren't connected with their fellow man during the times that they need to be. Sounds like you're talking about kind of ego or pride. I am, and I'm also talking about a lot of us and the way our social, our culture has been designed. Um, I think it really applies because so many of us did not want to ever deal with um, the understanding of life with its disruptions, with its ups and downs, interferences, things that we didn't, couldn't control, but really throw our, strike us at the core. They're so powerful. Um, we've been talking about from, what is it? Uh, God, I can't remember his name from the paper, uh, Feller? Oh, Bruce oh, Feller. Bruce Feller, yes. And he talks about the longer buys, the messy, the messy middle and the new beginnings. Very well done. But I, I think that what we're, we're really talking about is so many people have lived, especially in, this, in our culture, um, not wanting to get near the difficult conditions of life, not even wanting to get close. And so we've been living on a formula of linear progressions of development. Well, you do such and such, you get your job, you, you work till you retire, you take your money, you go, you, you know, birth, you know, uh, you get married, you have children, you, you become grandparents. 
and it all sounded so linear. Um, I always thought as a, as a therapist that it was really, I don't know what they were describing other than theories in a psychological book, because I didn't find life to go like that most of the time. I felt people had a lot of disruptions in their life, and they had to cope with them, and they had to get through them. The danger in that old thinking of this linear progression of life is that people get married to that. And then what happens is when life really hits us with blows of disruption, mm -hmm. they're so ill-equipped and unprepared because they haven't wanted to even think that way or get close to that. Um, there's been a lot of material, uh, you know, looking for security through, from, through money, pension plans, lots of things like that. And those things are being blown out of the water now. And they, in some ways they should be. It doesn't mean everybody doesn't have money, but my gosh, you got what, 40 million, 30 to 40 million people unemployed, 15,000 restaurants they expect to close and businesses are closing and oil and gas companies are going under. And it's a horrendous time um, during this COVID-19 crisis. And you know what, Though a lot of the things that we held dear to us was our financial security and the way things were in life and designed to distract us and give us a false sense of security. It was one of those very shallow, superficial approaches to life that really don't bind men to fellow man. Um, it never will, but to us, when you live that way and then when things really hit, you just don't, you're not equipped to even empathize because you've been living so removed from that. I think that's, that we're seeing it on a major, uh, in a major report, my God, massive, where people have been so ill-equipped for this disruption. It uh, sounds like you're saying that part of being enlarged, the, the reading that you did, is, is to be capable, to be equipped, to get through very difficult times, yeah. and to have your priorities and your values on the things that will bring a fuller life to you. Fuller and richer, and, and more um, of who we're meant to be. Um, I. I, you know, it's funny, when I go through difficult times, and I'm certainly going through that with my, my wife and my mother and people we help, um, it doesn't mean I love the hardships and the loss. I don't, and I do grieve. But one of the things I also can be thankful for is what comes out of it. And what comes out of these difficult times is a, a, a deepening, a deepening, a, 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 where the prior, my priorities in life and my values become even clearer about what's important and what I don't have time for anymore. So it makes us more authentic, more truthful, more real, more connected with our fellow man and the conditions of life. I'm thankful for that. I wouldn't, that I wouldn't want to give up for anything. No. Um, somebody said the other day, well, I don't know where this came from, but uh, one of our workers is from Fiji, she says, well, you're like a preacher, and I go, uh-uh. I said, I'm no preacher, and I don't want to stand behind a pulpit um, sermonizing people. I want to be where, I want to be engaged with my fellow men, not behind a pulpit. I want to be on the front lines. And I've lived that kind of life, um, and I'm grateful. It hasn't been a safe life, and I've gone through plenty. I've helped a lot, thousands of people through difficulties, and it hasn't stopped. Um, I'm grateful. Let me go back then, as you're saying that, because when we started uh, today's podcast, you made you were talking about 
in spite of, you know, even though you have been a professional counselor or therapist for a number of years, you're a coach and mentor now, to you, the value was being just as human as the people that you worked with and then the people in your private life as well. And I want to read another thing from your paper, The Adversity Meet It Head On. And you said, to face adversity, our starting point is to recognize our humanity mm -hmm. and to see that we are vulnerable and limited beings. Yes. Now, that sounds like a difficult thing to do. Can you kind of... Sounds like it. It's it a is. very, you know, someone will say, this sounds painful. Because it is. And, you know, we're talking about a way of life that we've, we've, we've been called to for many years now, of being in that extraordinary reality of helping people in terrible distress, sickness, death, dying, the, the after effects uh, for, for loved ones and people who've gone through very bad times, soldiers, veterans, their families. What I, what I, uh, let me take that back a little bit, I want to slow down. Yeah, so this is yeah. an important point because it's not only that sounds painful, but I, I want, I hope that people listening today go away with understanding what's behind this. Yeah. What is important about Coming recognizing our humanity? humanity? How it, will that help them get through this hard time? It helps us to, I'll be honest with you, it helps us to become more honest with ourselves of who we really are. Now, do I think everybody's been faced with that? I don't. It's happening now. For people that have been on the front lines like ourselves and others, we've been confronting that and being confronted with that for a long time because that goes with part of the territory that we're in. We're faced with impossibilities. We can't save everyone. We're dealing with people and making them comfortable while they're dying. We're, we're dealing with so many different things that are, most people go, I don't even want to go near that. It's, such, it's so heavy. And yet it's a real condition of life. Very difficult. And what it makes us do is here's people like ourselves who go in with the best intentions, incredible amount of training and, and growth and development, and we're faced with situations we can't fix. We can make people comfortable. We can hold them while they're dying. Or we can do so many different things like that, but fix them? We can't. Um, being in the middle of a crisis, if you weren't a spiritual person, not really just but spiritual, you'll get spiritual, all right, because you know something else is in control, and it's not you. So we're faced with coming to grips with our own limitations and beginning to see ourselves the way we truly are, and that's painful because we come to the end of ourselves and realize we don't have the control that we thought we did. So let me just for a moment say, suppose you head into a crisis and you're not willing to face this and you think, I'll find a way to get this under control. I can handle this. I don't want to admit that I might not be able to handle this. That kind of a, what's, what happens then when people don't go there? What happens then? Yeah. That's where I've, I've gone there many times. And I'll be honest with you, it happens to a lot of people, particularly the tough type, like me. And you know what happens? It's very humbling. Because what you do is you come to a point of realizing it doesn't matter what your personal view of things are. You're in a situation that calls for you to face real situations that are so difficult and overwhelming and overpowering. It's no wonder most people want to go, I don't want any part of that, I don't even want to know that exists in life. 
I understand why people feel that way. I still feel that way, and yet I don't live that way. I, I, I'm one of those people who face adversity or a difficult situation. I'm the one that goes into it to help people, not run away. A lot of people do run away. Our society is designed to run away and be distracted. The unfortunate part of that, when the stuff hits the fan and the disruptions of life happen, how ill-equipped we are to cope. I think it makes it worse. And I, I agree with you completely, and I think that when, when people, when I, when anyone uh, refuses to admit that they can't control and keep everything okay, things just keep getting worse. They will, I think they get worse. Yeah. And they, it's like going into a, a dark abyss, and you just, I've seen so many people during this crisis mm -hmm. sink into paralysis, Isolation, depression, depression. Yeah. And it, it's heartbreaking and you can't move them because they're so terrified, but they are so ill-equipped mm -hmm. to move into and face whatever they have to face. Those people come to me, come to the right place because that's not me. And yet I can empathize with the fear. I can empathize with how scary it is to move forward. And yet to me, that's the only thing you can do to get through this. Um, you begin to learn new things. You be learn, begin to learn to be innovative and creative, um, which which I consider myself. I gotta say, by now, I got a bit of experience in that. I thrive off of the messy, the messy meta. You know, throw people throw situations at me. They are difficult. Not me. The folks that come to me, the situations they're facing. And my job is to be creative and to figure out how to cope and how to deal with these situations. To teach people how to do that, I think is a, it, to me it was a gift. I did have mentors. I did have people who coached me through it. And, and uh, life experience before I became a psychotherapist, now as a, a life coach uh, uh, specializing in trauma recovery. I'm glad to do it. And I, I, at this point, the other part of it that I look at, and I want to put it out there, is the reason, there's one of the reasons that I've moved past all those years of being a psychotherapist. Um, certainly the Navy SEALs confronted us about the stigma of how that gets in the way of fe their feeling a connection without being labeled sick. Mm -hmm. And I, I agreed with them. When, I finally, uh, when it finally hit me, I was in the same place they were, and I went, you're right. And uh, I could see how this would happen. Um, um, and from that point, we took a different approach for quite a while of not stigmatizing, not making people feel they're mentally ill because they've gone through very difficult situations in life and it's really put them, made them go through some very difficult changes. And it's worked out a lot better. I can agree. I've, I've been with you a number of years. It's been, I can't believe it's been like 15 years now. And I have seen you... Uh, when a challenge comes up in the practice and it looks like it's time, you know, maybe something could change. Um, you have never been married to the beginning things. You've always been willing to take in something new, uh, to adapt, uh, to try, to listen, to... Uh, you, you don't have a real attachment to staying exactly the way you were trained. No. And that's been to your benefit. And I'm going to take a break. Now. Take another break. Yeah, it's time again. Okay. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break.
Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Peter and I are here today to talk about the very difficult time when a crisis hits and it's not comfortable. In fact, it's very painful to face it and accept it and accept our own limitations. And I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Um, the quote, again, that I read was, to face adversity, our starting point is to recognize our humanity mm -hmm. and see that we are vulnerable and limited beings. Now, you were talking this morning to someone who was recently hit um, by a, a situation that really kind of threw them and uh, through no fault of their own. Um, this was someone in our staff meeting. And you wanted to give them some help. And you said, understandably, when this person had a, a problem happen with them, it had to do with their health, you said um, that, that they were thrown back on their old attitudes and behaviors that had worked in the past, but are not working now, mm -hmm. and would lead to trouble. Mm -hmm. Now I'm thinking about, we've been talking about when adversity comes into someone's life and they accept it, and they accept their limitations, or they resist and they, they don't want to go there, one of the things they could do is they could go back, like you said, on their old attitudes and behaviors and think, well, this worked in the past, I'm just going to do this again, and um, everything will probably turn out fine. Mm -mm. Uh, what ha what's what's wrong with that? A lot. Yeah, you must have been reading my mind. <laughs> oh, it's before been you, 15 years. Yeah. I'm starting to. <laughs> no, before you before you opened it up, I was just thinking the same thing. It's we come to a place when we've re when we come to our, that end of ourselves. Um, we do have a period of time where we got to reevaluate our strengths and our weaknesses, and it's a difficult time. Um, we have seen, and I, I mean for some very well-equipped people, when they're tired and overwhelmed, just yes. like any of us, yes. and worn down, not burned out, but exhausted, right? Mm -hmm. I've seen people, and yes, the lady is being, I love her, and she's a very well-equipped lady. Very but capable. She's, and, but she's tired. She's tired. And she got hit with something pretty hard last week um, yeah. that surprised her. Um, thank God for now it turned out it's okay. she's got a reprieve, yeah. but it, eventually it's not going to go so well. Yeah. But interestingly, her reactions out of that were something that are not so good that we've seen other people do. No. And that was she, she fell back into old attitudes, old behaviors, old um, coping, mechanisms. coping mechanisms that don't work anymore. And instead of their working, they actually open her up to because it's not in the present, mm -hmm. some new difficulties and new problems that she knew in the past how to deal with, all of a sudden she set herself up, she's, she could take some heavy hits again. Not by her, it's not her fault. No. But if you're with the wrong people um, and you're, you know how they, they function, you know how to deal with it. And when, you go, when she goes to those old behaviors, she forgets. Mm -hmm. and she sets herself up for some Additional trouble in trouble. her life, yeah. Right. Now, that's her old ways. Lots of people do that. I think that's got to be a, something that happens to people. It, it's not just unique to her. Not at all. And, but the, the point that you're making is very, it's in one of our papers, it's in that paper, actually, mm -hmm. um, is that we've got to move forward. And a lot of times when people think about being resilient, they think about things that worked in the past that they could fall back on to cope. And the kind of resilience we're talking about is, you can't do that. 
you've got to move forward. And you've got to know how to deal with the situations in the present, particularly you, adversity. You're, you're, what you want to do is respond to what's happening right in front of you. And if you go back to old ways, you're not there anymore. No, no, and it leaves you very vulnerable, and um, which is not a good, not the good kind of vulnerability, but susceptible to real trouble in the present. Yeah. So what we're talking about is a transformative kind of um, coping mechanism going forward. You got to go forward mm -hmm. and build on what you've done in the past, but add to it new information, new kinds of um, abilities that will adjust, you will adjust to the present. So you're not going to be just, your old coping mechanisms are not going to make any more. But when you add the new information and you yes. put that together, you get pretty creative. And then you have this transformative kind of coping and resilience that brings you right into the present. And it, it makes you a stronger, deeper person, um, more capable than you were before. The folks that fall back to the old beliefs mm -hmm. that worked in the past are in trouble. Yeah. This sweet lady that we know, and we think the, a lot of her, Very much. she's tired. And I saw, we all saw it. She fell back and we're going, oh boy, yeah. this is going to invite trouble that she can't afford. She's too tired. She's working very hard and she's going to get nailed. Yeah. And she's got to sharpen up quickly yeah. and come back into the present. And, you know, that's one of the things, too, that we need is supportive people around us who care yes. during those times. To build on our own resources, but to have people who know us and believe in us, to reassure us, to remind us, and to and give us some help and support and encouragement. That those two things are really important for this new transformative direction. So let me stop you there for a moment because you're talking right out of the paper and I want to reiterate those things. And, and let me just read this because it, it says, the willingness to learn involves being able to find the new information in our challenges and adding it to our previous experience to create a successful outcome in the present. And that's what you've been talking about, how yeah. you can't just fall back on the old things. No. You, you've got to find the new things to respond now. Mm -hmm. The second one is that um, hope and moving forward uh, is built on our own inner resources mm -hmm. combined with the encouragement of others. That's right. And I think our attitude and our approach is hopeful. And I'll be honest with you, it's real easy when things are very tough and difficult and challenging to feel hopeless and discouraged and despairing. Yes. That's our enemy right there. And that's when we go down. So we can't afford that. What is the hope? It's kind of believing that things will be able to come through in a positive way in the future. And that's without knowing what the outcome is going to be yet. It's just knowing that good things will come out of this eventually. Now, if you, if somebody's going through a real, I want to say this, if somebody's going through a real hard time, like grieving, you're not going to tell them at that point, oh, everything's going to work out and you're going to be fine and that person went to heaven and you don't have to do it. We're not talking that kind of no. ridiculousness. And I've seen many people do this. You experienced that quite a bit when you were going to a support group and people with good intentions, possibly, maybe not, we're trying to help, and it was not a helpful thing to say things like that. Mm -hmm. I remember, remember Lucy, remember Lucy in your support group, the nice little, nice little lady. Yeah, she was so sweet. Nice lady. Yeah, yeah. I was a yeah. Alzheimer's dementia. Yeah, yeah. I love her lady. Her husband died. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
you can't do that. Yeah. But one of the things that I do realize is you've got to have an understanding deep within yourself that there is a purpose to all of this and you're going to come through it. That belief gives you the energy and the um, passion to overcome those difficulties. There's no question about it. And it releases you into a more positive progress moving forward. Mm -hmm. The other part of it that you really need to do is you gotta rise below, above your um, emotional pain. You've gotta kind of, and physical pain, and you've gotta be able to um, find the energy, the passion to overcome it. Uh, as I, I get very inspired by these kind of stories, but there was a Facebook story this weekend of a lady, lovely lady, and uh, it showed her whole progression. She was completely disabled. She wasn't an old She was woman. a young woman, yes. Beautiful young woman, couldn't do anything. Yeah. She couldn't walk, they had the carrier. She was just helpless. And she was so determined to pull, get through this. I, I tell you, it was, it's something to watch, because they did such a beautiful was job a, of they it. They had filmed from the very beginning and had put everything together in a kind of a timeline. It was beautiful, and they showed what she went through. And I think most people would have looked at that or got, who had gone through that, and they would have wanted to give up, not her. Mm -hmm. And she had some humor in the midst of some terribly difficult rehab. She used humor, and there's another yeah. thing, yes. She was impressive. Well, the interesting thing is watching the progression. It brought me to tears. And, boy, she was in her rehabbing trying to get back on her falling and uh, I mean it was rough mm -hmm. and in the end the beauty of it is they had her walking on the beach in a beautiful beautiful dress dress mm -hmm. and she was vibrantly alive like dancing and dancing on the beach yeah yeah it was the most beautifully touching um, moment to watch what that lady had gone through the hope she had mm -hmm. That most, I think a lot of people look at that and they would be, they would be so shocked mm -hmm. and discouraged that they wouldn't want to live. This lady was different, and she didn't want to give up. And you know, now that I think of it, I've known people in that situation that did kill themselves, that they were so discouraged and despairing. You personally. Know and this lady did was, that. if you watched it, my God, she was, she had no control over anything physically. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, here she is walking on the beach, dancing and running and being beautiful, she was a beautiful woman, I think she had a child. It was a beautiful progression. And that's the kind of things I'm inspired by. Mm -hmm. um, there are many stories like that of people that most of the time, you just, they would, most people would say, oh, they're right off, they're going no place. And yet, watch the progression of these folks and the courage and the hope and the passion they have to overcome their physical and emotional disabilities and to, to grab that Whatever is available to them and make the most of it mm -hmm. is an astounding experience to me. That's the way we live. Now, those people went, go through a lot. Well, so do we, and we help a lot of other people. It is difficult, but yet it can be done. And it's a, it's, it, going through it provides a, a wisdom when you face these difficulties, and sometimes you don't overcome them. Sometimes we're dealing with loved ones that are dying. And it's heartbreaking and devastating. And you're not going to save them. But there's a wisdom. There's a conviction of an authenticity of life and truthfulness that puts things in perspective all of a sudden about what's important and what's a waste of time. 
And I think a lot of us, including myself, spend, have spent a lot of time in things that are a waste of time and energy. When you face these difficulties, who wants to waste our time with things that are unimportant or people who waste our time? You want to deal with what's real and a value and authentic and it has a completely different flavor to it because you know you're facing the true value of life and understanding life, death, dying, all of that and it makes it gives you such a deep appreciation and gratitude for what you do have mm -hmm. that even if the what you're able to get is so small it can mean so much and fulfill you. So I look at this and, and um, I know I sound very, I am positive, and people think I'm really strong, but I suffer like everybody else. It's just I don't know how to get through it. People think I'm really strong. Well, I a lot of times feel like they may think so, but I don't. And yet, I'll be darned if I don't pull myself through and get back on my feet and, and just move forward. I am a spiritual man, and I do believe that there is a God. And how did I discover it? Through going through these very overwhelming life quake situations that change your life and you know in a crisis that somebody else got the power well that was my time of discovery i encourage people we all are spiritual if not religious and to embrace that during these times you can't miss it mm -hmm. you can be you can deny it um you can reject it but it's all it's always part of us a, a spiritual side to things this opens that up for people who don't want to admit it it's there. It becomes very much a, a thing to look at. Yeah. You're right. It's there. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back with questions after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson, and we're heading into question time. And so I've got some questions for you, Peter. And um, my first one is, and I'm gonna, this is another put you on the spot a little bit one, and, and it's not a long answer. But sometimes when people come in to see you or you talk to someone and they're heading into a crisis, you say, don't make any big decisions right now. Um, you you're going through a difficult time, it might not be wise to do. And then there also, though, the, the fact that in a, in a difficult time, you, you, you're going to need to act. You can't just get stuck. How would you kind of resolve those two things, that you, you can't let yourself get stuck, and yet you need to be careful about making big decisions? Yeah. I, I think that I really believe that that's a time we need support. And, and people coming alongside us that really know what they're talking about. And I don't mean clinically only, but I mean about life. Um, I've been through a lot, so I know the times to really get on it and move quickly and innovate. And other times, then the emotions are really heated. Um, today, we see a lot of people that are very fear-driven and making decisions that aren't good ones, and yet they are so afraid to not make the decision that instead of being really solid and thinking it through and understanding the implications of what they're doing. The fear is driving them. Um, they're living with such, they're terrified that they're making decisions out of that. And I've seen, I've seen that too many times lately. And I look at it and go, they're so fear driven and these aren't the right decisions right now for them. I can see it, but yet who's gonna stop them? Um, 
there are there are the other times that I've done this with our teams and uh, at the institute, and that is there are when this crisis hit and we saw what it was going to do financially, because I've had so much business background, I knew to jump on things and take the opportunities, um, and not to wait around. And this wasn't some time to reflect; it was some time to move and strike quickly. We were right. And today we had a meeting, and there were certain things that came up in business that I couldn't have anticipated. And usually I'm on top of it, and I miss some opportunities. We hope we can make them up. But if I look, when I look back on those and go, geez, we should have done the whole thing. And they said we could, and they changed the whole scenario, the government and whatever. And I remember, now how could I have known that? So we, it's not perfect. We're not talking about being perfect. We're just talking about having that intuitive feel of when to move quickly and when to not do anything. Just sit tight and don't let your emotions um, be the thing that drive you. And a lot of times people, I've heard people say this and I know they're, they're not right. They say, well, intuitively, I can trust my intuition and yet I'm watching it going, their intuition is so contaminated right now with emotions and reading things the wrong way. And they think that that's their intuitive ability, and it really isn't. In fact, that's a time when they should stop and sort those things out because they're not on the right track, and their egos are getting getting carried away, and all of a sudden they're the intuitive wonders. And you watch it and go, if that's their intuition, they're in trouble because it's contaminated by all kinds of other things. They're not even reading the situation carefully and right. So we do see that, and we know when folks do that, they're going to make mistakes and it's going to be painful. And they've gotten their egos and they've, they're just on the wrong track. So I know that this, that can happen, yeah. Let me follow that up with another question then because that actually prompts a question for me, which is a lot of us feel like we got a sense of intuitively what would be right for us. And I think we hold on to that to our detriment, um, especially during very difficult times. Um, I know we talk about and value awareness of the body. Is there anything that could be valuable in being aware of your body sensations regarding your intuition? I, I don't know if I'm making any sense to connect these two. They are, well, they are connected. Um, and I think that we know, because we've, we've talked about a lot of in a lot of episodes about how important the body is, and it is the reservoir of so much emotion, so much trauma. And um, it's not just a mental activity. The nervous system's affected. Your body is giving you readings on situations um, that, you're, that may be painful, but you don't not, you're not used to reading them. We have other people that have learned to survive by cutting off their connection with their bodies altogether. So they, they do intellectual, I call them machinations, and they're so disconnected from what's really happening. But we do believe, and we know it's true, that the body is so important in dealing with decisions, crisis, adversity, trauma, and there are ways to deal with it to help clear it out, to clear the emotion, to read what your body's telling you, what kind of emotion you're holding back, anger, sadness, shame, pain. We know that that's all part of this. That's what I kind of picked up, I think, because I, when you said contaminated intuition, the contamination I think you're talking about is kind of this emotional buildup 
uh, that prevents you from really being able to read things correctly, and that is something that we've talked about being able to sense in your body. Well, I'll give you an example of that. Um, and I, you're right, but we've had people who think they're very intuitive, and um, we've seen them when we've tried to help them completely misunderstand an interaction and believe they're 100% right. And what it turns out to be is it's they've gotten triggered by old emotions, old trauma. Uh, I can think of a, a couple right now, and the uh, lady was abandoned by her father, had a lot of real, and all of a sudden that gets triggered and she completely misunderstands her husband. And she's absolutely convinced it's him. And we're sitting there going, he didn't do anything. Nothing's going on. And she's absolutely emotional, worked up, irate. And we're wondering, who is she talking to? Well, what's happened is those emotions in her body, the anger, the pain, not from her husband, but from her father, got triggered off in some kind of interaction and boom, takes over. She believes she's absolutely convinced her intuitions are telling her it's her husband said this and he's being insensitive. And, and we've, seen, we've watched these things and go, the guy's sensitive, he cares about her. He hasn't said a thing that's insensitive and yet he's being accused of being horrible. And then you know, where's this coming from? Who's this about? It's about her father. And so we have seen things like that. We do know how to clear it out so people can progress and move forward. The folks that trust us know that they'll, they'll kind of defer eventually to us and realize something's wrong. Um, others attack us. I've been attacked many times and yeah. accused of being, and I'm going, now how did you get to me yeah. out of that? And when, they're, when these folks are intuitively and emotionally reactive and their bodies are filled with this anger and rage, they get very accusatory and very angry. And you look at them and go, nobody's doing anything to you. But at one time, people did. So that's how off people can be. And at that time, these folks believe their intuition is telling them what's going on exactly. And it isn't. So we have seen how this contamination, and it, the body is a, a place you can get readings on your rage, the jaw, tight jaw, the fast heartbeat, the intensity, the adrenaline, the cortisol levels. It all sends physical messages through your body and telling you um, that something's been triggered, something's come up, and you're in a lot of pain. So we teach people how to read their bodies and how to understand, and then how to deal with it to discharge it and decompress it so they can get a clearer reading intuitively in the present without all of that stuff contaminating their perceptions. We feel it's real important. And we don't call it psychotherapy. We call it, you better learn to do this in real life. It's really important. Yeah. All right, my last question then. Um, and to me, this question is about um, it's a, it has to do with kind of unrealistic expectations that people can have. Um, to me, uh, I see people, a crisis will come into their life, something, maybe they haven't even identified it as a crisis, but some, some change, some loss, uh, some difficulty comes into their life, and they put upon themselves the expectations that they should be able to handle it. And um, what I'm wondering, I would like your thoughts on this, mm -hmm. is a crisis something we cannot handle on our own? Sometimes, yeah. Would accepting that 
help us. Yeah. I think there's a humility and a brokenness that comes out of it. Um, definitely. At other times we don't need that, but boy, yes, you need both. And I think coming to a point of trusting somebody and knowing that you're off, knowing that you're overwhelmed or in pain or traumatized, you got to have some people around you that you can trust in spite of how suspicious or distrustful you feel generally. And you got to be able to listen to them at those times because they have a better understanding and that you can't go it alone. I'm one of those people, I'll be honest with you, I'm one of those people that feels that many times I can handle it and I can go it alone and I'm a tough guy. Well, the truth of the matter is I also realize at this point how important support is, love and caring, and to have love and caring people around me. Now, I know that I'm the authority type person, not that I walk around acting like it, but I also know that there's people around me that have abilities and sensitivities and sensibilities that are better than mine. And for me to, to uh, subordinate myself at that point in my ego and go, hey, these people are, have capabilities I don't, and right now I need to listen to them because I'm struggling or I'm in pain or uh, I'm being overwhelmed and I need to have their expertise, I need to have their support and love. They care about me, they love me, um, they're willing to empathize with me in a very authentic way. Of course, I'm going to listen to them too. Um, at other times, no, I am a very strong guy, and I do get through things alone, but not all the time at all. Not at all the time. So I, I no, I think we have to be able to hear other people at times. And in the middle of adversity and a crisis, if we go back, and this can happen, to old reactions and old responses, and think that's going to hold us over, not a good idea. That's the time we need people to come alongside us and go, that's over, and you got to let go and you got to move forward and that's not going to ever be again like it was and I know you're scared, I know you've been dependent on that but it's not working anymore and you've got to move forward. Um, you, at those times somebody who's struggling with that better have somebody they trust more than themselves because they're going back to old coping mechanisms that don't fit anymore. Our time of crisis right now is filled with that where folks cannot go back to the way things used to be. They will never be that way again, and on, on a grand level. So uh, this is definitely one of those principles that is so darn important and relevant to today. Mm -hmm. Do I think a lot of good people are facing the same kind of... Uh, well, you know they are. Uh, ...conflict and challenge? I know yeah. they are. Yeah. And my heart goes out to them. I'll be honest with you. I see so many people struggling with that. I wish I could tell them it's going to be okay from the way it used to be. Mm -hmm. I could tell them it's going to be all right in the future. And they got to move forward and learn to cope and make adjustments and take a, uh, advantage of this and see it as an opportunity for change mm -hmm. and to find themselves in ways that they probably would have loved to do but they never took the time to do. This is a good time for that kind of a reevaluation. That's the message that we want to give every time we have a podcast, just that that uh, I couldn't say it any better than you just mm -hmm. did. Um, so I'm going to take a moment and remind people about the booklet that we have to send to anyone who asks us for it, The Survivor's Guide to Life. It's a little booklet that puts together some of Peter's principles for how to deal with very difficult times. Anyone who emails me gets a copy of this. I'm Jenny at BernsteinInstitute.com. 
So, uh, the Survivor's Guide to Life is made possible through a grant from Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 public charity that relies entirely on donations. Uh, if you would like to support what we're doing here, if we've been of value to you, please go to sctraumatreatment.org, uh, or we have a GoFundMe charity campaign. Our podcast is broadcast on all the podcast channels and available on our YouTube channel uh, and videos. We are on Facebook and Instagram. Please like and share, uh, and we would love to hear from you. Peter and I are at 707-781-3335, or as I said, Jenny, at BernsteinInstitute.com. We'd love to hear from you. Our website, oh, I didn't do this, the Survivor's Guide to Life.com. Don't leave out the the. Anyway, thank you. We hope all of you hang in there. Don't give up. Keep moving forward no matter what, and uh, keep the faith.